This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, the 25th day of January 2021. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call. If you are in New England like I am, you probably, depending on your view of how Tom Brady left uh, the area, you are either angry (laughs) or you are uh, thrilled for Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed to the Super Bowl, beating the Green Bay Packers yesterday in Green Bay, 31-26. There was so much talk about, well, the weather, it's going to be cold, and, you know, Tampa's a warm-weather team, and, you know, but, but that was kind of debunked when you took a look at what Tom Brady has done in his career in, in cold-temperature games. It really had, was no factor in this game whatsoever, Tom Brady going to his 10th Super Bowl. Think about this for a minute. Tom Brady will have appeared in 18% of all the Super Bowls ever played. That's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, And as Dan Shaughnessy pointed out in the Boston Globe this morning, The score is now Tom Brady 1, New England Patriots nothing. (laughs) Leave it it to Shaughnessy to come up up with that one. But, you know, look, um, the Patriots decided for whatever reason that uh, Tom, you know, they they were not going to, I don't know whether you want to say kiss his butt, or whatever, or whether this was just Brady saying he'd had enough. We'll never know really what the truth is here. But it's not a good look for the Patriots. There's no question about that after going 7-9 and nine this year. And Tom Brady goes down to Tampa and gets the team to the Super Bowl. And, you know, what? what is impressive about this run that the Buccaneers had is that they had to win all their games on the road. They were a wild card team. So they didn't have it easy, you know, and you had to, you know, win at New Orleans against a very good New Orleans team that had beat you twice in the regular season. You had to win at Green Bay, and they did just that. So uh, as uh, Shaughnessy said, this was uh, Tom Brady giving the ultimate foam finger (laughs) to the New England Patriots, you know, and I don't think Tom thinks of it that way, although maybe there's a part of him that does. You know, I'd, I'd love to have been in Bill Belichick's head yesterday and wonder whether he was rooting for Tom or whether he was just totally pissed off. Um, but you got to give Tampa a lot of credit here. Now, having said all that, Tom Brady was great in the first half, and in the second half, he did his best to uh, give that one away. Um. As good as he was in the first half, he was putrid in the second half. At one point in the second half, on three consecutive possessions, he threw interceptions. Mind-boggling. So, all of a sudden, that 21-10 lead they had at halftime is down to five, 28-23 at the end of the third quarter. And you're thinking, oh boy, here we go. You know, and with... Aaron Rodgers, who I still believe will be the MVP in the National Football League. You know, you figure with Rodgers in there and Brady all of a sudden looking like he's 40 or 143 years old instead of 43 in the second half. You know, when it got down to five, 
I thought they were in big, big trouble. Now, Ryan Suckup hits a field goal with about five minutes to go to give Tampa back the eight-point lead, and this is where things got, well, they got kind of weird. Uh, Green Bay moves the ball down the field in what could be a game-tying or at least an attempt to get a game-tying touchdown and two-point conversion. And in a game where the winner goes to the Super Bowl with two minutes left in the, the game, Green Bay decides and when they get down and they have a fourth and goal at the eight, instead of going for it, they decided they were going to kick a field goal, make it a little bit closer, and then hope that you your defense can stop Tom Brady and you can get the ball back with one more chance. Now you knew you would have to use all your timeouts and you know, but you still would give Aaron Rodgers a chance to get a touchdown, you know, with maybe a minute to play. Well, Tom Brady did his thing and he hangs on to the football. He runs out the clock. And there was a to be sure, there was a big pass interference call. But at the end of the day, it was a, it wasn't it was pass interference. You saw the the grab on the jersey. I mean, and it wasn't just a little grab. I mean, it was tug on the jersey to the point where the where the shirt was like you know stretched way out. You know, but Green Bay Packer fans want to bitch about that. Well, you know, you didn't call it all game. How can you call it now? No, you got it. That was one that was pretty obvious, and it was also pretty obvious that it impeded the runner at least a step, maybe two. It could have been a completed pass. When you are fourth down and eight on, you know, in, or in goal on your opponent's eight yard line and the Super Bowl trip is on the line, you have to go for it there. You know, and even Aaron Rodgers at the end of the game said, I understand the thinking about two minutes with all of our timeouts, but it wasn't my decision. That's, that's Aaron Rodgers saying, well, we should have gone for it, but it wasn't my decision. And here's, But here's the thing, and not a lot of people talking about this, but if you remember when they had that first and goal situation, on the third down play, Aaron Rodgers is getting some pressure. He rolls out to his right. He had a lane to the end zone. He could have run for it and possibly gotten into the end zone. You know, if he doesn't get in, it's probably going to be fourth and a yard or two, and then maybe they definitely, well, I would say they would definitely go for it. If it was a fourth and one, fourth and two, they definitely would have gone for it. Aaron Rodgers had nobody in front of him. The closest defender was in the end zone. There was nobody to two or three yards to either side of him and and nothing but empty field in front of him. Now, the defenders would have closed. There's no question about that. But if he goes for it there, perhaps he scores the touchdown. And I'm telling you right now, Tom Brady, I think if he was faced with that, and we've seen Tom Brady throw his body around when it's necessary. He's not a big runner, but in a situation like that, we've seen him do that before. If it was Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, hell, if it was Cam Newton, they would have run that football. Aaron Rodgers, and I don't want to say he wimped out. I, I'm, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, so don't get me wrong, but I think he chickened out. I think he had an, a lane he chose not to. So what does he do? He's rolling to his right. Instead of uh, instead of uh, running for it, he tries to throw it back across his body into the middle of the end zone. The pass is incomplete, and now we're set up with the fourth and goal from the eight. And, you know, we already talked about what happened there. But I think that was a mistake right there. There were So there were two mistakes in that series. One was Rodgers not running for it on third down, and the other was LaFleur deciding to go for the field goal. Uh, you know, and the other huge play in this game came at the end of the first half. The uh, the Bucks get an interception, 
And they were on the Green Bay 39 with, what, eight seconds left in the second quarter? They had a chance. They could have gone for the, the long field goal. They call a timeout. They go to the huddle. And they come back out, and Tom Brady's coming out, and he launches one down the sideline. And he completes it for a touchdown. It was unbelievable. Scotty Miller got past the defender for the touchdown. You can't let Scotty Miller beat you. You know what? If it had been Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin, you know, one of their deep threats, you'd say, okay. But Scotty Miller? So that Tom Brady's third touchdown pass of the first half is 21-10 at the half. And, I mean, at halftime, everybody was already giving Tampa Bay the Super Bowl. You know, if you were on Twitter, everybody was like, hey, hey, this is over, done. You know, he's going back. And then the second half started, and he just looked terrible. You know, but look, give him credit. He made some big plays when he needed to. There was a huge play. Rob Gronkowski was the invisible man. The entire game. He caught one pass, but it was a huge one. For 29 yards, set up Ryan Suckup's field goal that made it an eight-point ball game. That was a huge play by Brady. You know, so he didn't have a great second half. There's no question. He finished with 280 yards, three touchdowns, but three interceptions. The story here also, he only got sacked once. Green Bay was not able to get near him. Aaron Rodgers on the other side, five times he got brought down. This And this is on top of, if you remember in the regular season, Tampa went up there and beat him and beat the crap out of him. Aaron Rodgers got sacked four times in that game. So, you know, Tom Brady did his thing, but the defense also stepped up big for the Bucks when they needed to. That interception at the end of the first half that set up that touchdown and made it 21-10, to 10, the five sacks on Rodgers, and even when they didn't sack him, they were getting pressure on him. So you got to give Tampa a lot of credit for what they did in this game. And the other piece, you know, the Green Bay defense not being able to get near Brady and the fact that Tampa was 9-for-14 on third down. At one point, I think they were... They were 8 for 11, 8 for their first 11 on third down, and they were 1 for their last three. But still, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, pathetic. So uh, the Bucks go back. Well, yeah, go back. Well, they do go back to the Super Bowl, but it's been a long time coming. I mean, and this is a franchise that, you know, they didn't even know what a winning record looked like in Tampa for a long time, right? And now – Tom Brady shows up. Now, look, it's not just Tom Brady, okay? We we know that. He's got a great cast around him. And Tom is, you know, one of the things that Tom is great about is he is always quick to give credit to the rest of his team. And he did the same thing yesterday, you know. and uh, But it's, you know, he had Antonio Brown all season was a difference maker. Now, there's a lot of talk about Antonio Brown going there. And he didn't play yesterday because he was hurt. He'll be back for the Super Bowl. But, you know, having a guy like Leonard Fournette there was so big and a guy who that still had a lot of gas left in the tank. I mean, you know, in early in his career, he was used to being used to death. Well, yesterday he only carried the ball 12 times, but he ripped off about four and a half yards of pop. He caught five balls out of the backfield, you know, and don't forget the other weapons, you know, other than Gronkowski and Antonio Brown having Godwin, you know, as one of your receivers, Mike Evans and the kid Brait, the, uh, the backup tight end has become a huge factor for this Tampa team, uh, late in the season. Cameron Brait had a touchdown reception yesterday, made it 28 to 10 when he caught a touchdown a minute into the third quarter. Last couple of games, he's been outstanding. So Brady has plenty of weapons, and that Tampa defense, I think, is uh, underrated at times. So, uh, 
Unbelievable. Brady. Unbelievable. Uh, by the way, this is Brady's. We talked about 18% of all the Super Bowls, and you know it's his 10th all-time. He's been in six of the last 10 Super Bowls. I mean, and you can look, so you can understand, <laughs> you can understand why a lot of people hate him, you know, because he's just always there. And he's one of those guys that it's easy to hate, except at the same time, you know, he, he, he is a good teammate. He spreads the praise around. He's not a me, 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 look at me guy. He just goes out there and does his job. And now Tampa will become the first NFL team to ever host a Super Bowl. Now, it's unfortunate for them that there'll only be 22,000 people there, so it's going to be the smallest Super Bowl in history. But, again, with, with what's going on with this pandemic, you know, we got to throw all that out the window. You know, so they won't necessarily have the home field advantage you would normally think. I mean, uh, Raymond James Stadium holds 66,000 people, so there's going to be a third of that in there. Now, they were going to jack it up to 75,000 with some temporary bleachers in the end zones, but they're not going to have the home field advantage you would think, but still, they're going to have an advantage. And the other advantage is the NFL is not going to allow teams uh, to the site until two days before the game. Well, Tampa's already there. That's a big advantage for them. They're already there. You know, but Green Bay's not or not Green Bay. Uh, Kansas City's not going to be able to come down until 2 days before the Super Bowl. And in the meantime, all the Bucks get to sleep at home. Right up until game day. So, uh, uh this should be fun. I mean, it, you know, it's it's unfortunate that they won't have the crowd, but uh and and look, if you're a Tampa fan, if you are a Tampa resident, there's a lot of pride in what's going on there. You know, we we were, you know, so thrilled here. Remember all the championships we had in Boston with, you know, uh, when the Red Sox won it and, you know, the Bruins won it. And, you know, and all of a sudden now they're calling Tampa Champa Bay. <laughs> you know, uh, the Lightning won the NHL championship. The Tampa Bay Rays got to the World Series. They were – you know, perhaps a, a pitching decision away from perhaps winning a World Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll never know. And now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is uh, is looking for its uh, second title um, of this uh, calendar sports year. So congratulations to uh, Tom Brady. Just He just, you know, continues to amaze. Uh, the other game, not so much of a game. Um. Patrick Mahomes got cleared to play on Friday. And if you didn't know he had been hurt, you would never know he'd been hurt. 29 for 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and the Kansas City Chiefs roll the Buffalo Bills. The final score not indicative of how lopsided this game was. 38-24, but uh, Kansas City had a 31 to 15 lead and you know it was it was uh buffalo scored the first two times they had a field goal and then they had a uh, a touchdown pass from allen to dawson knox and missed extra point so they're up nine nothing so think about that for a minute they got outscored 38 15 the rest of the game you know and then kansas city after that kansas city had the next three scores Buffalo manages a field goal. They're down nine at the half, but you did not feel that Buffalo was in this game. You just didn't. And uh, Kansas City, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was back, but they did not have most of their running game. Le'Veon Bell was not active in this game. You know, uh, Edwards-Hilaire, who had been out for a while, six carries, seven yards. But Williams stepped up, had 52 yards on 13 carries. You know, and Kansas City just used Mahomes. He was precision as always. And I'm telling you what, say what you want about Stephon Diggs or any other receiver in the NFL you want to say. I'm telling you right now, Tyreek Hill has got to be the toughest guy to cover. And not only cover, once he catches the football, some of the things he did yesterday after he caught the ball were ridiculous. 
Nine catches, 172 yards. And he didn't even score a touchdown. But he made more guys miss tackles. He made people look stupid. Travis Kelsey, 13 receptions, 118 yards. He was, you know, lunch pail kind of guy, a couple of touchdown receptions. But what a game. Uh, and now Kansas City gets to play against Tampa Bay, and it's going to be the GOAT versus what people are saying is the future GOAT. You know, and and, and it's a little early to be talking about Patrick Mahomes as a future GOAT, but reigning Super Bowl MVP, Kansas City is already favored. You know, the early line has them favored going into the Super Bowl. If he goes in there and beats Tom Brady head-to-head, you're going to say, well, you know, there, there he is. He's the greatest. Let's remember that this is uh, a young Patrick Mahomes going up against a guy that's 20 years older than he is. And if, and if Tampa wins this game, uh, Tom Brady might be nominated for sainthood by everybody in Tampa. <laughs> and maybe and most people in New England, too. And it was interesting, too, yesterday, by the way, because um, I was you know, watching the Twitter feed as the game goes on, and there were people that actually said, hey, you know, I was pissed at Tom Brady, and I'm, you know, I was really angry, but I'm over it. And now I'm rooting for Tom Brady to win this thing. Because how can you not? You can be as angry as you want at Tom Brady, but at the same time, the way I've always thought about this is Tom Brady took one for the team numerous times when he was in New England. He took less money than people that didn't have his talent were making to help the New England Patriots have cap space to sign better players around him. He wasn't out there going, I want mine. He was out there saying, what can I do to help the team? And the team didn't take care of him. And they didn't, to me, they didn't show, and I don't want to say they should have kissed his ass and, you know, they should have knelt at his feet, but I don't think that the New England Patriots organization ever truly let Tom Brady know how much they appreciated his sacrifices because, you know, they're all winning. So, hey, you know, the ends justifies the means. But I don't know if they ever let him uh, understand how much they appreciated what he did. And maybe, maybe the problem is maybe they didn't appreciate it. Maybe they just expected it. I don't know. But I never had any bad feelings towards Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. So uh, let's not get carried away with the future GOAT. Patrick Mahomes has a long way to go. And look, I think he's a good kid. I don't have anything against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and I think he is very talented. And he has some. He has a skill set that Tom Brady doesn't have. He is more athletic now than Tom Brady has ever been in his entire life. There's no question about that. Not to say Tom Brady isn't athletic, but Patrick Mahomes can do things that Tom Brady never could. You know, especially uh, his ability to make things happen with his feet and his ability to evade uh, the pass rush because of his his speed. So, you know, and maybe Patrick Mahomes, at the end of the day, maybe he'll win more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. I doubt it, but maybe he will. And maybe he will go down as the GOAT. But right now, Tom Brady is, and it ain't close for second place. It's that simple. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Monday morning. By the way, programming note, no show tomorrow. Um, for those of you that listen in on a daily basis, no show tomorrow. Uh, uh, wife has the day off. We've got some things we got to get done, so uh, we will not be here tomorrow. Uh, one other football note. Um, the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford have supposedly come to a mutual agreement that the Lions are going to try to trade him. Stafford has had enough of uh, getting his brains beat in, and uh, uh, a guy who was the number one overall pick back in 2009 
has two years left on a contract uh, that was a five-year, $135 million contract. So he is about a $27, $28 million a year guy. I don't know how that is going to uh, impact the trade market, although he is uh, probably uh, hit cap hit-wise a more attractive option than, say, Deshaun Watson, who was talking about wanting a trade out of Houston, and uh, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, who may be traded out of Philly, although we'll have to see what happens with that. But uh, Stafford contacted the new general manager and said, look, I want to go. Um, and uh, so they're going to try to trade him. And, look, there's no question now that there are teams that are going to line up. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts just lost Phillip Rivers to retirement. New England Patriots don't have a quarterback unless they're planning on bringing Cam Newton back. And if they do that, I think, you know, fans that uh, loved Robert Kraft uh, and Bill Belichick might start burning them in effigy if they bring Cam Newton back for another year. Um, You know, we know the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback. At least I would think so. Um, but those are two teams that immediately you would, that come to mind that are going to need a quarterback. Um, and Stafford is certainly talented, you know, and you know, the, the knock on him is, you know, the turnovers and he has had a lot of inconsistent games, but I think you have to put a lot of that in perspective into what, what franchise he's playing with. He did get them to the playoffs, um, a few times, uh, most recently in 2016. Now, they didn't win. They haven't won a playoff game. Uh, oh, they've only won one playoff game, I should say, since 1957. So so it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like they've uh, built a dynasty there in Detroit. So I understand Stafford's frustration, and I'm sure he's looking at it as like, hey, I don't know how many years I got left. Um, so uh, he wants out. So we'll see if the Patriots line up as uh, one of the teams um, – to bid for his services. You know, I don't know what Detroit's going to want. I mean, they're probably going to want the sun, the moon, the earth, and the stars. But if you're New England, I think you've got to at least uh, check in. Uh, Also out of the state of Michigan, the University of Michigan Athletic Department is uh, essentially shutting down, uh, perhaps for as long as two weeks. Uh, They're doing this following a number of COVID-19 positive tests for several people linked to the athletic department. They said it could last for two weeks. The, their women's basketball team is ranked 11th in the country. They were supposed to play a home game, uh, against Purdue yesterday. That was, uh, was canceled. Um, the men's basketball team is ranked seventh nationally. They're scheduled to play at Penn State on Wednesday. That is not going to happen now. Uh, Michigan has said they're tr- they're following you know as best they can the state and Big Ten guidelines, uh, but now the the state has gotten involved. The Health and Human Services Department in the state of Michigan has gotten involved, and they have said that uh, they've got to try a new, more aggressive strategy to to figure things out here. So the University of Michigan. Athletic Department shutting down for two weeks. And, I mean, this has been, you know, an ongoing thing, you know, everywhere across the country. Um, So that is uh, what we've got as far as football goes. Um, Baseball, let's let's switch over a little bit. And uh, I cannot tell you how nice it was to, (laughs) to pick up the, uh, my computer and log on and find out that the Boston Red Sox had actually signed a couple of guys. And not only did they sign a couple of guys, they signed guys that to me could have an impact for this upcoming season. Uh, guys that make me feel good. Oh, no, no, let me, let me make me feel better about the prospects of being competitive this year. Because look, I mean, you know, Citing Hunter Renfro to uh, to be an outfielder is not going to move the needle for me. Uh, you know, signing Matt Andrees, um, a guy with you know, I, I wouldn't even say has had a lot of success in Major League Baseball, but a guy that is mostly a reliever, but has been a starter at time. You know, that's not moving the needle for me. But they made a couple of moves this weekend that I think will help. Uh, number one, they have decided to sign Kike Hernandez. Uh, who was a free agent that played with the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
now, you know, you, his real name is Enrique Hernandez, but he goes by Kike. Um, this is a guy that is a Brock Holt type player in that he can play everywhere and has over the last couple of years played everywhere for the Dodgers. I mean, the only position he has not played in his career is catcher. I mean, he's even pitched. Uh, last year for Los Angeles, he played all three outfield positions. He played second, he played first, and he played short. Now, he struggled at the plate last year. But again, I want to, you know, and, and I was looking at this, and there were people saying, well, he's an inconsistent hitter. Well, you know, I don't know how much I agree with that in that there's, you know, he's a, to me, he's a 250 hitter, 260 hitter. If I can get 250 or 260 out of my second baseman right now, I'll take it. He's got some pop. You know, this is a guy that if he plays a full season, has an opportunity. He's a 20 home run kind of guy, maybe maybe 18 to 20, maybe a few more if, if he's really feeling it. You know, but the problem with Hernandez is he always plays a lot, but he never knows where he's going to play. Very often he doesn't start. You know, I mean, this is a guy, though, that will play. He's been out there 145 games, 140 games, 130 games. He played in 48 of the 60 last year, but he struggled. He only hit 230. Again, I take what happened last year with an absolute grain of salt. You know, and I have I call him a, a Brock Holt kind of guy, and a lot of people have said uh, he is a more athletic Brock Holt. And this is a guy that you could plug in immediately to that hole at second base. They don't have a second baseman right now. They have tried to make Michael Chavis a second baseman. That's not his natural position. So now Chavis perhaps becomes that utility guy, and they put Hernandez in there every day. Or if, if you know maybe if Xander Bogarts needs a day off, they could put Chavis back at second. They could put Kike Hernandez at short. Um, you know Chavis can give uh, Raphael Devers a day off, and Chavis can play third when Devers has a day off. But this is a move to me uh, that's a good one. It's two years, um, and it's, you know, look, I, I finally, that's all I'm going to say, finally. But the biggest move the Red Sox made was they signed Garrett Richards on Saturday uh, to a one-year contract uh, for $10 bucks. It's got an option for a second year in 2022, and there are incentives on both of them uh, based on innings, et cetera, et cetera. Richards last year uh, went 2-2 two and two with an ERA of 4.03, pitching for the Padres. But he struck out over eight guys per nine innings, walks maybe a little bit high. He walks about three guys per nine. Um, but that was his first full season back after having Tommy John surgery midway through 2018. So, you know, Richards is a guy that now you plug him in to that number number three hole until Chris Sale comes back. You know, maybe he is behind Nathan Evaldi, Erod. You know, maybe he plugs in there, and then it's Martin Perez after that. Uh, but it gives the Red Sox a much more legitimate and what I would consider um, a major league-worthy pitching staff for this coming year. Um, Richards is a guy that uh, has won as many as 15 games in a season back with the Angels in 2015. He went 15-12 and 12 with an ERA of 3.65. It's a guy that in his career – has given up far fewer hits than innings pitched. You love to see that. Uh, doesn't give up a ton of home runs. You know, he gives up a home run um, about, uh, well, less than once per nine innings. He had one year where it was a little off the charts, but it was uh, when he was first coming back from Tommy John surgery. But overall, he does not give up a lot of bombs. You know, if he can get the walks down a little bit, that would be nice. But uh, his career walks per nine is 3.3. That's a little bit higher than you would like. But, uh, again, 
in his career, uh, 10 years, a couple of Tommy John surgeries in there. But hopefully uh, he is past that now. But in his career, he's six games over 500, a career ERA of 3.62. Great signings. And then once Chris Sale comes back in the middle of the year, you know, uh, you've got you got something. Because now Matt Andrees becomes your long guy out of the bullpen. You know, so you have Erod, Evaldi, Richards, Martin Perez, and then it's either Tanner Houck or Nick Pavetta probably for that number five slot. Andrees becomes your long guy. I like the sound of that a lot better. And then when Chris Sale comes back, you know, you look, you know somebody's going to get hurt, right? I mean, you could say you have the greatest pitching staff in the world, but you can never have enough pitching. So, you know, even if everybody that they've got stays healthy, uh, with Chris Sale coming back, you know that they're not going to throw Sale out there every fifth day. You know, I think Sale's going to be a once-a-week guy. You know, at least for the first month or so after he comes back. And, you know, they're going to be very, very careful with him because he starts that five-year contract extension this year. They want to make sure that they don't push it with him and that he is able to play out those five years. So, uh, and at the same time that happened, the Yankees made a move. Uh, now, we already know that, you know, they are uh, going to re-sign D.J. LeMahieu. Well, and we, but, but the one thing that the Yankees really were lacking in is pitching. Now, they signed Corey Kluber. Now, again, Kluber coming off an injury year. Don't know what he's got, but by all accounts, he looked good. So the only... You know, guy you would say at the top of their pitching staff right now is Garrett Cole. Luis Severino is coming back some point at some point this year. He had Tommy John surgery last year. Well, they made a move yesterday and signed or or traded for Jamison Tyon for four prospects from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyon has not pitched since May 1st of 2019. He's had the better part of, you know, almost two years off after his second Tommy John surgery. So they've got him for four prospects. If he is healthy, if he is able to give them what they think, this is a great signing for the Yankees because uh, they lost Masahiro Tanaka. They lost Jay Happ, who signed uh, with Minnesota. James Paxton, they decided not to resign. He is still out there as a free agent. So they don't have, uh, you know, a lot. Domingo Herman is supposed to come back. He was out for a domestic violence suspension, but he's still a question mark. You know, he looks good at times, but he's still a young kid. They've got the kid uh, Clark Schmidt, um, who made his major league debut last year. People think very highly of him, but there's a lot of question marks in that Yankee rotation, and picking up Jamison Tyon uh, was a big one. Um other signing yesterday, the Washington Nationals agreed to a uh, contract with Brad Hand. Uh, 30 years old, a guy uh, who has been a elite closer in the league for a little while, uh, led the majors with 16 saves in that shortened season last year. Uh, he now would become probably the closer, you would think, for the Washington Nationals. The Nationals have had nightmares in the bullpen over the last few years. Uh, so that turns out, I think, to be a really good signing for Washington. It's 46 minutes past the hour. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we got to. Uh, well, we got some. We got to talk about uh, the passing of the great Hank Aaron. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back uh, to the Wake Up Call. So over the weekend, uh, we lost a couple of great ones, and uh, the first one is. Uh, not necessarily from the sports world, but uh, Larry King passed away. Uh, great interviewer. One of the greatest interviewers maybe ever. Uh, I used to love, I list, used to listen to his uh, show on the radio uh, when uh, his CNN show was uh, simulcast on the radio. Uh, but he was a huge baseball fan. He may not have been a sports figure, but this is a guy who was a rabid Dodger fan. Grew up in Brooklyn as a fan, of course, of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and then uh, later the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he would go. He was a season ticket holder. He would, after his uh, show was over, he would uh, uh, later years he would go out to Dodger Stadium and uh, never missed a game. Uh, 
You know, unless uh, he had a professional uh, uh, appointment, he never missed a home game. So Larry King uh, passed away at the age of 87. Uh, COVID got him. Uh, he had been struggling with COVID since December. He had been hospitalized and uh, finally passed away at the age of 87. One of the greatest things uh, that Larry King ever said, and, and you know, if you are ever in a position where uh, you're an interviewer and, and you're writing a story or something like that, the greatest thing that you can do is listen. You know, a lot of people you know, like to hear themselves talk. I've been accused of that myself. But one of the greatest things that Larry King ever said, he said, I can't learn anything when I'm talking. You know, so if you're in a position where you want to learn something and you want to you want to interview somebody, you know, ask your questions and then get out of the way. Let your subject talk. So uh, it was sad to see that he passed away. But again, 87 years old, heck of a run. One of the things he always said that he, the only thing he was afraid of was dying. He, he said, uh, you know, we're only here for a short time, you know, and I want to I want to experience all of it. Well, I don't know if he experienced all of it, but I think he experienced more than most. He interviewed, they said they estimated over 50,000 people uh, in his career. Amazing. Uh, and watching some of the clips uh, this past weekend uh, of some of his interviews, uh, and I remember some of them watching them when they were on, uh, just uh, what a life. I mean, and the opportunity to, to you know, to rub shoulders with, with all the people that he did over his life. So uh, uh, a great life. Larry King passes away at 87. Uh, but this was the one that uh, rocked the sports world. And, you know, and I don't know. I was thinking about this last night. We lost all those Hall of Famers in uh, 2020. And, of course, we recently lost Tommy Lasorda as well. Uh, but in 2020, we lost Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, Whitey Ford, Lou Brock, Al Kaline, Joe Morgan, and Phil Necro. Seven Hall of Famers passed away in 2020. That is the most that have ever passed away in one calendar year. And now we lose perhaps the greatest of all of them. Well, he, he was the greatest living Hall of Famer, without question. There's no doubt. And in some people's minds, he may be the greatest baseball player ever. I still would go with Babe Ruth. But it is easy to see why people would think that Hank Aaron is the greatest of all time. 755 home runs, and in my mind, still the home run champion. I don't care what anybody says about that. Barry Bonds' numbers are not legitimate, period. You know, this is a guy that has admitted admitted to using performance-enhancing drugs. So I don't want to hear about Bonds' 762. Henry Aaron is the greatest home run hitter of all time, period. Even to, still today, he is the career leader in runs batted in, 2,297 of them. He is the career leader in total bases. And this is a guy that hit 755 home runs. Folks, he never hit 50 in a season. Never. The most he ever hit in a year was 47. And even that, and, and the year he hit 47, he didn't even lead the majors. Think about this. This is the guy who is the all-time home run champion. Only led the majors in home runs four times in his 23 years. But what he was, was consistent. And this is a guy that did not strike out. And, you know, this is in, in this day and age where guys are striking out 200 times a year and they don't care. Folks, Henry Aaron never struck out 100 times in a season. Never. The most he ever struck out in one year was 94. That was back in 1963. And in that year, by the way, he led the majors in homers and runs batted in. Uh, he had 44 homers, 130 runs batted in, and hit 319. Struck out 94 times. That's the highest of his career. Think about that. Now check that. I, I know I found a year he hit. He struck out 97, but still, never struck out. 
And he was proud of that. He was asked, you know, what one of his, you know, favorite things was and what was he most proud of in his career. And it was that I never struck out. And he worried about moving a guy, uh, you know, from first to third or scoring that runner from third base. Guy that was second on the all-time hits list. 3,771. Think about this. And Chris Russo on, on High Heat on Major League Baseball Network pointed this out. Take away his 755 home runs. He still has over 3,000 hits. That's how good he was. And by the way, he could run. Stole 240 bases in his career for uh, nine straight years. He had double digits in steals, including a high of 28 back in 1968. He was an all-star. 21 times. The only times he wasn't, his rookie year and his last year. That's it. And he was the classiest guy by all accounts that you ever want to meet. I have a letter from Hank Aaron. Uh, There was a story in Sports Illustrated when I was, I think it was, I was in, I think I was in college or right after college. And there was a story in Sports Illustrated about everything that he had endured during that stretch to beat Babe Ruth's record. And I just wrote to him and I said, you know, I, and I just was like, you know, I, how horrific it was. And, you know, and I was embarrassed for our country that he had to, to put up with that. And I got a note back from him. It was on uh, uh, Turner Network Stationery. And uh, it was, uh, you know, he had a secretary type it out, but it was it was hand-signed by Henry Aaron. I still have the envelope and the letter. It's one of my prized possessions. The fact that he even took time to respond to me, I thought was out, was unbelievable. But by all accounts, uh, one of the classiest guys you ever want to meet. And, uh, you know, we can debate forever. And that's one of the fun things about baseball, about who the greatest baseball player of all time is. You know, is it Ruth? Is it Aaron? Is it Willie Mays? You know, there are people that think it's Mickey Mantle. Uh, That's what's great about baseball. But know this. Think about this. And this was great. I saw this on Twitter this weekend. 755 home runs. There is nobody playing now that is ever going to beat that. The only guy that you might have a shot, but he would have to play till he was 42 years old, okay, He'd have to play till he was 42, and he would have to average 33 home runs a year until he's 42. That means he'd have to play 14 more years and average 33 home runs a year. That's Mike Trout. He's the only guy that's got a legitimate chance. I mean, uh, you know, John Carlos Stanton's 30 years old. He's got 312 home runs. He'd have to average 38 a year and play till he's 42. It's just not going to happen. You know, it, it's not going to, you know I mean, you can make a case, I suppose, you know, Aaron Judge is really young. He'd have to, you know, he'd have to hit 50 home runs a year. So whether he was the greatest or not, there is very little doubt in anybody's mind that Hank Aaron was probably the classiest baseball player in history, so. Uh, it was a sad day, and uh, we continue uh, to lose the greats. And you know, and as I guess as I get older, uh, it's going to happen. Uh, so that's going to do it for us here this morning. No show tomorrow. We'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Vince Gill in honor of Hank Aaron and uh, uh, not only what he did on the baseball field, but what he did uh, off the field and what he did in the community and uh, to help kids uh and underprivileged kids uh in his life you know these are the kind of things you know baseball our baseball career is great but how you are as a human being to me uh, is more important so we'll leave you this morning with some music from vince gill go rest high on that mountain in honor of uh, the great hank aaron we'll see you on wednesday you've been listening to the wake-up call on sports country
Oh. 